I was cold, man, so I had to go get my robe. It was chilly. Figured it'd be a little bit warmer. I got this for, uh, for Christmas. Anybody get new clothes for Christmas? I, I never even knew I needed it, though. Like, I, I thought that I was okay without a robe for so long, and then we got this for our Christmas Eve gift, which we opened Christmas Eve Eve for, I guess, for family pictures in the morning. We have all the same stuff. But, man, I never knew how much I needed a robe. I thought I was okay. But, and it was great. Isn't it? The best gifts um, are the ones you actually need. Like, you can get something really expensive, really fancy, but if you don't use it, I really am seriously considering just preaching the whole, whole sermon in this because it's really warm and cozy, um, but it might be distracting, but I'll take it off. But if I take, even if I take it off, though, what I, what's going to happen is if I take it off, I'm still wearing um, a shirt that I got for Christmas from my one of my daughters. Gave me this shirt. I love this shirt. I'm wearing Christmas socks. I have Christmas socks on. They say, uh, they say cereal chiller. And uh, so um, um, everything, it's like you get these gifts sometimes that you didn't realize. And I, I never knew I needed those, but I really did. I, you get all these things that you didn't know you needed. And then once you get them, but it's the gifts you get that you actually use. I mean, we've already seen someone, we had to bring our beanie babies with us this morning. You, we want to bring the toys with you. You love them, right? You need, it's, it's like when you get the thing you use, that's, that's the gift that's going to mean the most. The thing you hang in the closet and never wear, and then eventually it'll just get given away or go somewhere else. Like that's not, that's not as meaningful. It's, it's the gifts that you use that really mean the most and they're the best. And, and, and the thing is, even though I didn't even know that I needed that, I really did. Like I love it. And I think sometimes, though, we go through life, and what Christmas reminds us of is that our greatest need has been met. Because I think a lot of us, even today, we're going around, going through life, thinking, what if my needs don't get met? What if I don't ever really get to be comfortable the way I want to be comfortable? What if I don't ever get to express myself the way I express what if, what if I never am loved? What if, what if I don't really get what I really need? And, and sometimes we think what we need is not what we really need, right? We think we need a bigger car. We need a newer car. We need a car. Then we don't need a car with lower payments. Then we need a bigger boat, then we need a bigger boat, and then we need to sell the boat, right? That'll be the best day. Um, you thought you needed a relationship, you got the relationship, now you're thinking maybe you need a new relationship. You know, you're thinking, I don't know. And you get, you, we go through all these things where you feel like, I, I, I want to make sure my needs are met. And the reality is, what Christmas is, it's a reminder that God loved us so much that he met our greatest need. And we've seen that all through this series. We're, we've called it Family Christmas tree and or the Christmas family tree I got it backwards and and when we started it we were looking at John the Baptist who is Jesus's cousin with Pastor Rath he showed showed us that and we even talked about in genealogy how if you go back in yours you can go over and there's there's some good people that I'm cousins to cousin somehow like 17th cousin four times removed or something to Abraham Lincoln I learned that that was pretty fun but I'm also to George Pickett somehow I'm there he's kind of I don't know not as great as Abraham Lincoln but there's 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 connections there. Then we looked, then we looked at Matthew's uh, story of Jesus' genealogy. And all through Jesus' family, really enough to him, whether you go through Mar- Matthew's genealogy, which runs through Joseph, Luke's genealogy that runs through Luke, there were people that were pretty messed up. There were people in our backgrounds and our families that we wouldn't have chosen, but God did. And he worked through Tamar and Judah and Abraham and people that sinned like David and Bathsheba. He worked through all of this to get us where we are. And, and, and Joseph and Mary had nothing to do with choosing who their 
forefathers and foremothers were. And yet because of who they were, we saw Christmas Eve Eve, that because of who their parents were and their grandparents and their great-grandparents and where they lived, they got in some very uncomfortable situations that they didn't have anything to do with. They lived in Nazareth, had to go back 90 miles to Bethlehem because someone before them decided to move to Nazareth because someone before them was from the lineage of David. It wasn't their choice. And they get back there as she's pregnant to give birth to this baby outside. And yet it was very uncomfortable. They're outside. And can you imagine like not having a place to stay the night you're going to give birth to your child? And she's out there in this uncomfortable situation. But God actually chose to work through that. It wasn't that they needed to fix everything. It wasn't that they needed to be more comfortable. What was happening was God was sending his son to be the savior for sinners like David, like Mary, like Joseph, like you, and like me. Because our greatest need is to be made right with God. We were created by him and for him and in his image, and he loves you. He loves you. He doesn't love the you you're going to be. He loves the you you are now. He loves you right now. So this Christmas, if no one tells you that, I want to make sure you understand that, that God loves you. And he created you. And when we look at Jesus' family tree, really we look at Matthew and we look at Luke, but his tree goes back further than that. Because Jesus did not just start to exist when he was born in that manger. He existed before the foundation of the world. He has always existed in perfect, loving relationship with the Father. So before the foundation of the world, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, he's God. And that's why I want us to go on Christmas morning to John chapter 1. In John chapter 1, we're going to see Jesus' family tree, and we're going to see where it really all started. In fact, if you have your Bible or an app at home or another window, you can open up to John chapter 1. I would encourage you to read along. I want you to read your Bible for yourself. And John chapter 1 is, is, is really Jesus' lineage. Because when you get right down to it, Jesus doesn't have anyone before him. Even though he's the son of the father, he has existed forever. It's mind-blowing to think about forever. How long is that? There was never a time where Jesus wasn't alive. There was never a time where he wasn't God. He is God come in the flesh. And that's what it tells us. In fact, if you want to skip ahead as you're looking in John 1, if you're familiar with the Bible and you're a Christian, you know John 1.14 says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So what happens in John 1 is John is giving it. John's Jesus is really one of his best friends. And he is referring to Jesus as the word, the word, the logos. It's the word. This is the, the way that God communicates. So you can't understand my thoughts if I don't use words. And, and, and he's, he's using Jesus to communicate to us. And he's, he's explaining, if you look at verse 14, it says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's where Jesus is born in verse 14. But John starts before that. He goes back up the family tree and says, well, you know, we had all this stuff with Matt, with Joseph. We had all this stuff with... With Luke had all this stuff with Mary and all those family lines. But really, before all those people, before Abraham was, Jesus is going to say in John. He's going to say, before Abraham was, I am. He's always existed. That's why in John 1.1 1, 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. You see, if you're really going to have your needs met, if you're really going to be okay, you need to have a foundation of something that existed before you. It's bigger than you. The car won't do it. The money won't do it. The acceptance won't do it. The job won't do it. The job's going away one day. You need a savior. You need someone to take care of your sin, the way that you were created and you have rebelled against God. He says, he says I'm going to come for you. In fact, the beginning, there was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. He's not less than God. Jesus is God. Come in the flesh. That's what John says. 
He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. What, what, what's included in all things? What's excluded from all things? I would think that cats would be excluded because I'm thinking, you know, God, did you really make cats? Did you really make mosquitoes? Did you really make coal? He did. He made it all. He made your in-laws. He, he, he made those sweet potatoes you're going to eat later on. He made, he made it all. But here's the great thing about that is if all things were made through, this is Jesus. It means he wasn't created is the big idea theologically for this. But you know who made you? Who made you? God. That's right. He made you just the way he wanted to. He wasn't, he wasn't surprised when you were born. He was working on you before you were born. In fact, when we looked at John the Baptist, do you know the first person to recognize Jesus as Savior was John the Baptist? And he was still a baby inside his mom. And he leaped when they met. And Jesus, this is an interesting, this is why, why we, we, we fight for life and why we think abortion is so wrong is because Jesus, if, if, if it's not a baby, there was never a time where Jesus didn't exist. And when he is created, and he, 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 just, he is in the womb of Mary, he's God. He's not partially God or almost God or just fetus God. He is God in the flesh coming as a, as a baby. It's amazing. And, but he made everything. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. If you want life, people are looking everywhere. They're looking to stuff. They're looking to chemicals. They're looking to experiences. They're looking to... I'm looking to some pecan pie. But you don't find it. You find it in Jesus. In him was life. The life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness does not overcome it. Here's the problem. Jesus is light, which means he's true, he's pure. And when you're true and pure, you love to be around true and pure things. But if you're sinful, sometimes you ever go in a room and turn on the light and you see kind of things scatter? Ever see bugs scatter? When the light comes, what happens is things that love the darkness, they want to get away from the light. And in our hearts, the way that we're born, the way we kind of lean toward, the Bible says, we're all born sinners, we lean away from the light. And so when, when we won't receive him as our Lord, we, want, we don't want to hear about him. We don't want to draw near to him. We, we want to get away from that. That's what happened when Jesus came. Even though he was the light of men, the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness does not overcome it. And then we see about John the Baptist, his cousin, in verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. And that's our job. We're, we're, to, we're to share about Jesus. And because, verse 8, he was the light. He was not the light. John wasn't. But he came to bear witness about the light. That's what we're to do. We're to tell people about Jesus. But Jesus, verse 9, is the true light that gives light to everyone. That's who was coming into the world. Do you ever get scared in a dark room? You ever do that? You like to sleep? You might like to sleep with their closet light on a little bit or have a little night light. I like a little night light sometimes. It's good because you can wake up and, and everything's not scary. You can kind of tell that's where that is. Oh, it's, it's just a coat on the chair. It's not actually a whatever you thought it was, right? You can see it's just better. And when Jesus comes, he gives light to all of our lives. Those things that we were afraid of, that thing that the doctor said, you thought, oh, this is going to be terrible. I don't know what I'm going to do. If you know that Jesus is there, the light says, you know what? On the other side of this, you trusted me, you're going to be okay. I'm going to be with you. I have you in my hand. You don't need to fear. I've got this. Because he's the light. He's the light that shows us what true is. He shows us who God is. He shows us that we're loved. 
This true light, which gives life to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world. The world was made through him. Jesus made the world, it says. Yet the world did not know him. Here's where it gets sad. Have you ever been rejected? Have you ever felt rejected? Jesus felt that way. Look at verse 11. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. He knows what it's like to not be loved. But look at verse 12. I love verse 12. This is where we get to the best gift ever. This is where we get to what you do with this Christmas gift. To all who did receive him. That's what you're supposed to do with Jesus. You're supposed to receive Jesus and believe in Jesus. It's like a Christmas gift. If you don't receive him, you don't believe in him, you don't trust in him, then it's not going to do you any good. You can't just hang him in the closet. You have to wear him. Here's what he says. He says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. I read read somewhere that God, the son of God, became a son of man so that the sons of men could become sons of God. That's that's what we see here. The Son of God becoming the Son of Man so the sons of men can become sons of God. He says, if you believe in Jesus, now he's got this family tree, this family line that goes back to all of eternity. He says, and if you receive him, if you believe in him, you are now placed into that family tree. Now we are in his family. He says, it doesn't matter how, if you can go back 17 generations or none in your family tree. If you've trusted Christ, your family tree goes all the way back to eternity. And it will go on for eternity. If you trust Jesus, you can be forgiven. You can, you can know your greatest need is met because your greatest need was to be made right with God who created you. He designed you. He, he made you and he loves you. He gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. He's saying that God made you new. If you trust Jesus, he'll give you a new heart. He'll give you a new direction and everything will change if you will trust him. And then we get to verse 14, because this is it. This is, this is the Christmas story. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. This, this, is, this is God becoming a baby. This is the same thing. Verse 14 of John 1 is saying the same thing that Luke chapter 2 says in verse 11, where it says, This day, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So if this is God come in the flesh, when it says this Savior is born is Christ the Lord, every time you see the word Lord in the Old Testament, for the most part, it's talking about God. And when we're saying Jesus is God in Luke 2, he is the Savior, he is the Lord, he is the one that has come. Jesus comes in. We've we've sang the song, I think we've sang almost, we've sang it twice so far today. Hark the herald angels sing. It was a song written by John Wesley. One of the verses of that song says, uh, Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail his incarnate deity. He is, he is God come in the flesh. He's not just a little baby. He's not just a guy that becomes a good person. He is our substitute. Jesus came for us because we needed. We, did, we didn't know what we needed. We thought we could work our way to heaven. We thought we could be good enough. We thought if we got more stuff, we thought if we did all these things right and we have the perfect Christmas together, then everything will be good. But we know at the end of the day, that's not enough. You need to be made right with God. And the only way you're made right with God is is for God to come get you. And that's what Jesus does. He comes and he lives this perfect life. He dies on the cross because your sin deserved death, but he died in your place. And if you will turn from your sin and trust Jesus, you can be forgiven. 
See, this baby was God. That's why it says in Isaiah 9, 6, that unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. This is the gift of God for us, for Christmas, is Jesus. The government shall be on his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That's who this is about. So, so here's the question for you. Here's the question for you. What have you done with this gift? Have you received Jesus? Look, look with me again at John 1, 12, and 13. But, but to, to all who did receive him. Now, now what's, there's another all there. Isn't it the second time we've seen the word all? So everyone, whoever receives him. Does, does it say everyone over the age of 21 that received him? Does it say everyone under the age of 85? Does it say everyone with a certain skin color? Does it say everyone where they can trace their genealogy back to wherever? No, no. It's... It's anyone that will receive Jesus to all who receive him and believe in him. They can become children of God. That could be you today. It could be your, your friends if you haven't given your heart to Jesus. There's not an age range for that. To receive him means that you trust him, that you say, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord. I want to follow you the rest of my life. I've been playing with this family tree stuff for a while now. It's my, basic, it's my, it's my version of Candy Crush, my family tells me, instead of like playing on my phone like I mess with, the, like I go and mess with genealogy stuff. It's been really fun. We've traced it back pretty far. And I was looking again this morning at my wife is a descendant of, direct descendant of King Henry II. And so like, and like one of his dads or granddad, or one of his, I think his dad or his granddad was like a king of Ireland or something. It's crazy. But in that same line, just four grandfathers away, I've got a, an obituary here from uh, her fourth great-grandfather named Reverend, his name was Frederick Weaver. Frederick Weaver was a, uh, he was a Methodist minister. Uh, somehow he lived, oh, that's, I didn't want to share that yet. Well, we, you, you, it'll be okay. I'll Because I need to tell you about him. He, he was born in South Carolina in 1808. And if, when you were born in South Carolina, he moved to Texas, but I, I don't know if it was the South Carolina people said it or if it was the Texas people this says that he didn't just move to Texas, he immigrated to Texas in 1870. Like he, he, like they, they're like, this is, these are two different worlds, man. He's moving over there. He got so involved in this church that he didn't miss like a quarterly meeting for like 25 years or maybe he missed two or something. He was very involved. He has this amazing, beautiful, long obituary. But that, that I put up there, it was the very first part of it that I wanted to share with you. It was so great, so encouraging to me because... Because it says, now apparently this was the Nashville advocate that was writing this. Actually, so he lived in Texas, but I found this actually in a paper that was published in a paper in Alabama. Um, but apparently from Tennessee somewhere, the Nashville advocate. He was born in South Carolina, January 8th, 1808. He immigrated with his parents in an early age to Tennessee. Oh, that's, that's how they said you move, I guess. It wasn't about going from South Carolina to Texas. Where at the tender age, this is the best part, of eight years. So eight years old, he gave his heart to God joined the ME Church, I think that means Methodist Episcopal, and he received the witness of his adoption into the family of God while all alone in the woods. So there's a little eight-year-old boy that's alone in the woods, and he just goes and says, you know what, Jesus, I believe in you. And he saw this change in his life. He said, a circumstance which he often afterward related in the love feast, that's what they would do, call the Lord's Supper kind of thing, they would do this, and class meeting, always encouraging the children to seek religion and live for God while young. And then it says from Tennessee, he moved to Mississippi, and he got married, all this other stuff. But I just want to do what my wife's fourth great-grandfather did for you today. I want you to look back at John 1, 12, and 13. And I want to encourage you. 
And when I say young, I mean below like 100. Anybody here below 100? I want you to live for Jesus while you're young. I don't want you just to, to understand that Jesus came for you. I want you to, to wear this gift. To wear this gift means you're saying, Jesus, I recognize that I come short of God's glory and I need someone to save me. And so I want to trust you. I believe my greatest need is not more stuff. It's not all these other things the world's been telling me. My greatest need is to be right with you. And Jesus, you came for me. And so I want to surrender my heart to you today. I want to trust you. I want to, what does it say in verse 12? To receive you and believe in your name. Now, when you believe in his name, you're believing in who he is. That means all that he is. And who he is is Lord. In Philippians 2, God talks about Jesus. He said that he's given him a name above every name, that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess. And things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth, it says, but that, that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Well, that means that he rules, that he's your king. You follow him. And we, we saw that uh, Friday night that, that, that later in Luke, Jesus said, why do you call me Lord and don't do the things that I say? To surrender to him as the Lord is to say, Jesus, you, you're, you're my king. I'm not just going to acknowledge you, but I'm going to wear you. I don't know, that's a weird illustration maybe, but it's the idea that, Jesus, you're going to affect my everyday life so that today when I'm thanking people for these gifts, I'm also thanking you for life. That I'm looking to you to make me right. I'm trusting you, Jesus, and not what I look like, not what I've done, not, not anything else, but I'm trusting your finished work. You're the greatest gift ever. Have you, have you, have you trusted Jesus? Look again last time at John Chapter 1, verse 12. Can you see yourself there? Have you, are you a person who has received him? That's it. That's what you do with the gift. You receive him. Do you believe? Have you believed in his name? Have you recognized that he is Lord? Have you turned from your sin and trusted Jesus? Because if you've done that, you're in the family. He gave you the right to become the children of God. And you're, gonna be, you're born again. I want to encourage you to do that. Don't, don't look other places to meet this greatest need. It won't do it. It won't work. You'll never have enough stuff. You'll never express yourself enough. You'll never get enough money. You'll never, you'll never find what you need to be right with God outside of Jesus. You need to trust him. He loves you. Will you trust him today? Let's pray to him right now together and we'll be finished. Let's just pray. Will you bow your head and pray with me? And this morning, I just want you to take a moment. Those of you that know Jesus, will you just, just right where we sit, just quietly, even if, even if you don't know him yet, just just pause and just as we've said thank you to so many people that gave us presents today will you just thank him for his presence that he's here thank him for the way that he loves you ask him ask him what he wants you to do right now and if he's revealed to you that he wants you to receive him and believe in him will you do that will you just tell him right where you sit just say Jesus I believe I trust you. I surrender my heart to you right now. I recognize, Lord, I, I, that I've, I've sinned against you and I've, I've broken your law, but you came for sinners. So today, I want to turn from my sin and place my faith in you. I'm going to believe and receive today. Thank you for the gift of forgiveness. Thank you for the gift of life and light. Lord, help me share this with other people. Father, thank you that all who come to you can be saved. Thank you for this gift, Lord, that you gave us when you took on flesh. 
or you know what it's like to be lonely, you know what it's like to be hungry, you know what it's like to be tired, you know what it's like to be eight, <laughs> you, you know what it's like to be 21. And though you gave your life at around 33, Lord, you know exactly what we're going through when we're older and we're hurting. Thank you that we can trust you. Help us to believe, receive, and not just, not just put you away, but to put you on and to live and walk in the forgiveness that you give. Lord, we surrender to you. Lord, let your will be done in our hearts today, Lord. Whatever, whatever's happened in the past, whatever other people have done, Lord, we, we know that you love us. Want to want you to give please give us hearts that'll love you back and help us to love others the way that you love them. Thank you for the best Christmas present ever in Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.